Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Even the Score podcast, a podcast about soundtracks and scores from movies, TV shows, and video games. I am Don, and of course, I am joined by my two co-hosts, Anthony and Jason. Hello to you both. Good afternoon. Have the hell neighbor now? <laughs> well, we have a lot to talk about here in our Out with the Old, In with the New 2021-2022 Spectacular, because this is where it all started. We are officially one year into our podcast, and we are really looking forward to talking about what's coming up. But let's take some time to kind of reflect on us three getting together mid-pandemic and kind of talking bullshit about movies, TV shows, and <laughs> video games. Yeah. I think, I think it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed what we talked about and how we've gotten together and and just kind of randomly found a a fun sort of niche to notch out for ourselves but what do you guys think how do you think the podcast is going personally i think the podcast is going swell there's a part of me that dies inside a little bit though thinking about the fact that you know a year has passed and we're still inside because of this freaking pandemic not to say that we wouldn't still be inside having to record this podcast, but, you know, I mean, it just hits different when you kind of don't have a choice. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it's it's pretty cool. You know, we haven't gotten tired of each other, so <laughs> we still are finding stuff to talk about. So I think that's pretty cool. We made it through the Bond tier ranking together yeah. and still united. So I think we're doing all right there. I, I yeah. think that there's been some, like, fierce fights, some drama. There's been some loyalty and there's been some fondness and emotions. And there's been so much music and me singing. So that's been really nice. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> right. But to echo both of your statements, I agree. I think we've had such a wonderful time. And uh, I can't believe it's been a year. I'm really proud of us. I look forward to not only this episode, but coming seasons of our show that we're going to be able to share our thoughts on soundtracks and intersectional fun that I think we bring a little bit of a different angle. And I've really appreciated that space. And again, congratulations to us. Woohoo. Yes. We did it. Huzzah. We did indeed. Look at us. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Like we've already kind of talked about a lot of ideas that we have for future episodes. And like you said, Anthony, future seasons, we've got some good stuff in the tank. And I think 2022 is going to be a good year for us hopefully a good year for everybody maybe we will actually be able to emerge and when we come on and talk about hey how's your week been it's not oh i've just been sitting inside worrying about the latest variant <laughs> but <laughs> ideally it'll be it'll be just oh i did this and that and i have all these different things to chat about so hopefully it will be good for all of us but it's been good so far it's been really fun to get together with you two to to just talk randomly about just some of the the more sort of out there topics that we could probably find and and get your perspectives i mean we are we're coming at it from different angles from different perspectives left right and center here and it's just been a blast so congrats to us all around and here's to another good year the maybe end of 2022 we'll be talking more eloquently and and more wonderfully about what we're doing and me singing more well, of course. <laughs> right and feeling like you have more to sing about oh yes. yeah so many new songs to share with you guys oh goodness <laughs> can't hardly wait yeah well on that note let's go into our regular segment here and get into what you're listening to so for me it's been pretty basic i haven't been listening to too much aside from Charlie Brown Christmas. I have Aww. been deep into Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack for uh, a few weeks now, just because after our last record, it was kind of that, all right, let's, 
let's kind of look towards December 1st as being that sort of switch on to the holiday season. And I've actually felt it really powerfully this year. It's, it's kind of been nice to kind of embrace the holiday season, given where we were last year. And it's just kind of how we are functioning right now. I, I needed a little Charlie Brown in my life. We had a great conversation about the Halloween special. Um, now it's time to shift to to the Christmas special. You can't go wrong with throwing any Charlie Brown in your life. That's been pretty much the only thing that's been in my ears for quite some time, aside from just my standard slate of podcasts and kind of as a end of the year sort of thing. Two of the podcasts that I've been listening to the most, one is Kathy, Kathy Kanzora's uh, History mm. of the 90s. Kathy mm-hmm. was a wonderful guest for us early in the podcast life. And she's shifted to her own second season for her podcast. And she just finished up a John JonBenet Ramsey episode about... Oh that whole case and it's it goes dark and it i mean it's a dark case in general but she does such a brilliant job talking about it that it really was enjoyable to listen to so good on you there kathy and i also listen to uh the tony kornheiser show that's a pretty um consistent staple for me and that's kind of my my sports and random dc talk um uh, getting into my ears there so if you're looking for anything additional to listen to i highly recommend that and of course go and get yourself the charlie brown christmas soundtrack Who wants to go next? Uh, well, maybe I'll go next because I know Jason has a huge <laughs> lot that he wants to go through, and I can see the twinkle oh, of excitement man. in his eyes. <laughs> but yeah, so um, mine's been kind of relatively short too. One, I've been listening to Duran Duran's greatest hits um, mm. because after our James Bond theme discussion, uh, a view to a kill was on repeat quite a bit. And then I ended up rediscovering that uh, they did release this greatest hit CD or album in 1998. And when I first moved to Toronto in 2000, I would listen to that every morning as I would commute down to like downtown, like King and Sherburne, where the George Brown campus is. And so I've just been re-listening to that album. Uh, and it's been used, like bringing a lot of nostalgia about like 21 years ago when I first moved to the city. And even at one point I was listening to a song and I got on the subway and this TTC smell that, you know, like almost public transportations, especially subways, have a smell. And I like got this whiff of this odor while I was listening to a Duran Duran song and I was like, it's 2000. (laughs) Um, So that's been kind of fun. And then uh, the other thing that I've been listening to uh, quite a bit is Kim Petrus, who was my top artist on my Spotify Wrapped 2021. They released right. that. Yeah, so I released my Wrapped. And Kim Petrus, uh, who's a really fun up-and-coming bubblegum pop star, uh, trans pop star, actually. And I think she has such a fun vocabulary. And she's got this new song called Coconuts that apparently is taken TikTok by storm, but it's literally a boob song. Um, and it's all about her, you know, having coconuts and you can put them in your mouth. <laughs> it's just an end of the year banger that I'm like, oh, this is what I live for. Strawberry mango lime, don't compare to the. So yeah, that's been uh, on my heavy rotation. Um, And then the Home Alone soundtrack, because I finally got it on vinyl and I got to like listen to it fully because on Spotify, they don't have the rights to certain songs. Mm. Oh, that's irritating. Oh my God. Actually, 
that's a whole episode we can do on Spotify. But their soundtrack section sucks sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's really limited sometimes. And so Home Alone is that one version that I really enjoy putting on the album. So, yeah, I got that. And that's pretty much what I've been listening to. Well, Jason, what have you been listening to? For me, it started a lot like Dawn's uh, uh, listening. I, you know, yeah. it's the holiday season, so grabbing the the Charlie Brown uh, vinyl was kind of like a no brainer. Started playing that, and I was like, "Yeah, that's definitely a little bit of palate cleansing and putting me into the a uh, bit more of the the spirit, which I kind of felt like I needed." After that. I, you know, had the notion, I was like, you know, aside from that album, the last Christmas soundtrack, and a classic Stevie Wonder Christmas album, like, I was like, man, my Christmas, like, my vinyl collection for, like, the holidays is kind of like, it was on struggle. So, I, you know, I went down to the, the record store, and I, like, I picked up a few things. I was really trying to find the Otis Redding album that had Merry Christmas Baby on it, just because mm. that was just, like, such a classic part of my childhood that even though I don't even know if I really liked it as a kid, I definitely appreciate and respect that song now, and I wanted to have it. Kind of uh, struck out on that, but, like, I grabbed a few things. One, because... I was like, oh my god, he did a Christmas album, I, I, I must have this, and it's only four bucks. But for the other two, it was like, well, I've seen these come up a lot in searches when I was like trying to find other things, so I'll give them a chance. So now let me put some specificity to that. So the first thing I grabbed, and I'm grabbing it, and I'm like about to put it in the camera like you could see it, is uh, Duke Pearson's uh, Merry Old Soul. And I put that on, and I was like, oh... This is like almost a near perfect follow up to the the Charlie Brown uh, album because it's it's jazz, right? Like it's so, you know, just uh, out of curiosity, if you're wanting to check this out later, mm -hmm. uh, you guys, uh, you can see what it looks like. Very, very cool. It's pretty much straight jazz throughout and it's it's pleasant. It's really, really pleasant. So, you know, if you've got a, a play, a pretty big playlist going on, it's a pretty good follow up to the Charlie Brown Christmas. I saw Alexander O'Neill. I don't know how you how familiar you guys are with, but you know it's like very very classic '90s R&B. Uh, and he happened to have a Christmas album. I had heard a couple of the songs that are on it, but it never occurred to me that he had one. And you know, I mean, and poor guy. Like if you hear him sing now, I mean, like the struggle is real. I, mean, I don't know what's happened in the last 20, 30 years, but it doesn't seem like it's been that positive. Mm. Having said that, though, I, I was playing it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is totally classic uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis type production. Like, you know, it's got that sort of New Jack swing to it. It's mm -hmm. some of the songs are kind of over the top with the production. But, you know, I mean, overall, it was like, it's cool. Like, I mean, it sort of fits, but uh, some of it is a little hyper for Christmas. So, I mean, this is definitely a, a good album for after some rounds of eggnog with uh <laughs> you know rum have been consumed and what you're listening to isn't all that uh important anymore and then we get to sharon jones and the dat kings <gasps> yes Very nice. and you know it's a holiday soul party now, you know, I've heard of the Dap Kings. I've never actually spent any time exploring their work, but I know they're a pretty big thing. I just did me and that group hadn't really intersected before, but I was like, well, what the hell? Let me grab it. 
And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is pretty, you know, I mean, this is cool. It's a little funky. It's got some, like, retro vibes going on here and there. And I'm like, all right, but I can dig it. It's it's definitely very Christmas-like. Then we get to the last track of the first side of the album called Big Bulbs. <laughs> and I shit you not I'm sitting here working and I've got you know I've, I'm drinking my coffee I'm trying to like do stuff and it's playing in the background and it comes on like the sound is something similar to I don't know like like it's almost got like that Rockets type vibe or like you know sort of like that that Radio City sort of like the I don't know if I associate that with the 50s or whatever but you, you know what I'm talking about yeah, it's got like yeah, sort yeah. of that very big anyways going on in it to start and then you know the the voices are like honey you got them big bulbs and now at first i'm thinking big balls like what the fuck is that what am i listening to like where is this going and then you know after a little bit of google searching and then like looking back at the the list of uh, tracks on the album like oh big bulbs but like that's hardly any better And it's it's so over the top. Like I I have to imagine, and you know, I mean, we're talking about like, uh, you know, I think Anthony was talking before about stuff with like clever, you know, sort of messages and double right. entendres and stuff like that. That pop chick with the coconut. Santa's balls. Or I sad. guess I don't know if yes. it's. Mm, what I'm assuming skipping program pronouns for a second. I know that's an important thing, but I'm assuming that the artist you're talking about that was trans is trans she. But anyway, yes. In, in any event. I was just sitting there, like, I called up my wife from, like, downstairs. I'm like, oh, my God, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. And at first, she thought uh, uh, the the man was saying, like, meatballs. And I was like, okay, I guess I could hear that, too. But I was just like, this is the craziest thing ever. It was definitely good for a laugh. So I kind of feel like this is the album that I have to put on with, like, a straight face when the rest of my family comes for the holidays. And just video record the reactions when the song comes on that's what i plan to do for my holiday giggles for sure because man (laughs) that just gave me a really good laugh because it it really i think the thing that's so jarring about it is the rest of the album was pretty like up to that point was pretty straightforward on that side of the the vinyl so that song really comes out of the blue sort of sonically based on whatever came before. And I was just like, oh my God. Anyway, so that's what I'm listening to. That's what I've been listening to. And uh, that's what I will continue to listen to with some other holiday stuff as we get closer to Christmas. Those are amazing finds. (laughs) So good. And super good choice on Sharon Jones. I absolutely love her. I had the chance to see her live um before she passed away and she is a trooper so yeah good choices of albums Mm -hmm. i've heard them play the funky little drummer boy that was it was on some compilation from back in i don't know when it was yeah it is i I brought it up and it's so good i'm gonna have to dive into the rest of that especially listening to big bulbs no i mean just don't be drinking anything (laughs) when it comes on is all i could recommend because unless you want it unless you want a good spit take pretty much amazing 
that is a our most festive and amazing what you listen to round so far so that's been fantastic thanks guys for that you're welcome but we we will take a quick little break here and we're going to jump into our main topic which is the same thing that we talked about this time last year out with the old in with the new let's take a, a reflective look back on 2021 our full year in the pandemic our full year with us kind of talking, seeing what we liked about it, seeing if there was any sort of hot takes. I believe I'm going to get Anthony to provide us his Luca take as we discussed a few episodes ago. I'm going to tear that movie a new one. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll jump ahead. We'll start looking towards 2022 and see if there's anything original and interesting that we want to get into. But uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back here in a minute. Baby, you got them big balls. Baby, you got them big balls. Baby, you got them big balls. Flashing in your window tonight. Baby, you got them big balls. Baby, you got them big balls. Baby, you got them big balls. Flashing in your window tonight. Well, it is time to get to our main topic for this episode, and that is our out with the old, in with the new. We are going to take a quick look back at 2021 in general, and then we are going to drift into looking forward. We're going to take a look at 2022, some of the things that we may be anticipating, some of the albums that are going to be coming out, TV shows, movies, you know, what have you, and things that'll probably influence some future episodes that we're going to specifically talk about. But first, time to look back at the at the year that was 2021. And Anthony, how about you kick us off? Well, 2021 has been obviously a really strange year. I was commenting the other day that I literally thought something that happened six months ago happened last year. So I feel like time really got distorted this year and things that really seemed like ages ago really just happened like 10, maybe nine months ago. Um, I only got my second vaccine shot like seven months ago. So it just has been a really weird time wise. So I think I want to start by going back to a year ago when we were recording this episode of Looking Forward. And I put down three soundtracks that I was really looking forward to seeing this year. And I want to come back to them and be like, oh, like, let me give you my review of how I thought they went. So the number one I was looking forward to was Wonder Woman 1984. So first of all, that movie sucked hard. It was so boring. And the soundtrack was so middle of the road. Like there was a song they did, uh, Sebastian Bach, I believe his name is an artist online. And he did a Blue Monday cover that was released before it was not, it was released. And I was really amped up. And my God, that, that movie bored the piss out of me. And I did (laughs) not like the soundtrack. So, boo to that, which was too bad. The other one I was looking forward to was Raya and the Last Dragon. That movie was amazing. Like, really well done. A really fun movie. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous, absolutely beautiful movie um, that I think uh, highlighted Aquafina as, like, probably one of my new favorite up-and-coming actors. Um, and it was also James Newton Howard, and I thought the music was really good. But there's also a really lot of subtext in Raya and the Last Dragon with regards to same-sex attraction. And I think that movie actually handled it a lot better than a movie which I'm going to dissect a little later on in the episode called Luca. I didn't like Luca, and I'm going to tell you why later, but... The last one that I was super excited for and I think did live up to the hype and I was like most on board with and I I still listen to it was Candyman.
and that soundtrack was absolutely phenomenal. Like, I'm really, really excited to recommend that and uh, definitely recommend people go check it out because that was probably the best out of the ones that I recommended or was looking forward to most this year. Candyman came out on top, which I'm not really surprised. Like, it's Jordan Peele. I'm really big fan of his. Um, so yeah, that was really an interesting kind of perspective. But then there was also other things that came out this year. I'll start with movies and then I'll kind of go through my TV because movies is a little bit more frequent. And then TV is interesting because there's not a lot of TV. Anyway, so uh, the other movie that I really liked, continuing the letter C, was Cruella. That was the whole Emma Stone movie about, you know, giving Cruella DeVille from 101 Dalmatians a backstory. And, you know, many people were like, it's not really needed, but they really enjoyed it. And I had a blast with the mo- this movie. Like, I'm just going to give a little bit of a spoiler alert. The opening of this movie, I don't know, have either of you seen it? No, not yet. No, still well, haven't seen that yet. Okay, so it's uh, uh, a bit of a campy Blair, and spoiler alert, the beginning of the movie opens with Cruella DeVille as a child at a party where Dalmatians kill her mother and, like, knock her over uh, a castle railing, and they are the responsible for her mother's death. So, automatically, I was like, this movie is got its head in the right spot. Like, that is ridiculous to have Cruella DeVille's mother die by dalmatians jumping on her and knocking her over anyway so the movie and the music are so good i listened to the soundtrack a lot this year um nicholas betrell Brittell, i should say um so i really enjoyed that disney um also released a villain songbook so it was basically an album that was all of their villain songs put together and holy crap 10 out of 10 like obviously villain songs are very uh well written and a good one can carry a you know a villain's story arc further but this entire villain songbook is so good you got like you know ursula you got mom from tangled be prepared like all those great villain songs are all wrapped up in one album um i listened to that quite a bit listen or karaoke Oh, you called me out. That's both. <laughs> That's both both is absolutely acceptable. I would say that like one of the biggest things to come out of the pandemic 2021 year is Salem, my partner, and I got a karaoke machine. And our bubble, um, who we had, you know, my friends Meryl and Jen, um, the four of us were kind of bubbled together until we got vaccinated. And I will say that um, Jen, my friend Jen, has owned Poor Unfortunate Souls. That's her, like, jam. Meryl was uh, jamming to I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan. Excellent. And mine was the mom song from Tangled. Holy crap, if you haven't listened to that song, what's well, a good villain song? Um, but yes, karaoke has been a big part of 21, 2021. I love you very much, dear. I love you more. I love you most. Hmm. Don't forget it. You regret it. Mother knows best as far as comedies go i watched a movie called barb and star go to vista del mar have either of you heard of it no uh-uh. so uh it's Kristen wig and the woman who wrote bridesmaids they star as these middle-aged women named barb and star 
and they're from the Midwest, and they travel to Vista Del Mar in Florida. And I gotta say, this movie was fun. It opens with uh, this kid on a bike lip-syncing to Barry Gibb and Barbara Streisand's Guilty. <laughs> and it just, it, it's like full-on bonkers 90s Saturday Night Live comedy type comedy. It's very outrageous. There's like a plot to, you know, destroy this town, Vista Del Mar, by this crazy supervillain. And, you know, Barb and Star just get caught in the way and with their culottes. Um, but the music in this thing was so good. Like, it really jumps. And then the next song, so it jumps from Guilty, this kid doing this lip sync of Guilty. And then the next song, is, or to jump into the introducing the characters, is Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman. And so, again, just even that quick pivot, I was like, you've caught my attention. <laughs> Why would you go from Guilty by Mary Gibb to Shania Twain? So I definitely would recommend that. And then the last one that I kind of really fell in love with, and the music especially, um, was this weird movie called Malignant. Did either of you hurt hear of it? Or I've heard of it. I yeah. don't. So it's a horror movie, but it's not necessarily a scary horror movie. I would call it more of a thriller. And it was done, it's filmed by James Wan, who created The Conjuring Universe, Annabelle, like that entire huge multi-billion dollar franchise. He wrote uh, and directed this new horror film, which right off the bat, I'm like, ooh, original horror. I got to support it. I'm there. So it was one of the movies I went to when the theaters opened and we were all vaccinated and we got to go back to the theaters, which is a huge part for me. I miss going to the movies so much. I think that was my biggest miss of the pandemic was not being able to see films in theater. So I really treated myself. I went buck wild. I was like, I went to like seven movies in six weeks, I think. Um, and Malignant was probably the best out of all of them that I saw. It was a date night for my partner, Salem and I, and we went in knowing nothing about this movie other than it was a horror movie by James Wan. I have to say it was one of the most entertaining movies I've seen this year. There is a plot twist about three quarters of the way through. That is one of the most bonkers things I've ever seen. And it, it has an action sequence that is like anything I've ever seen filmed. Like, it just is nonstop for the last 30 minutes. And I won't give it away. And I don't want to tell you anything about the movie. Because I think going into this movie without seeing anything or hearing anything. And just watching it is a really fun experience. Because when things do go off the rails, you're just like, what? Huh. <laughs> but it's so satisfying that uh, you're on board. It's very believable. You're very like into it. And the soundtrack is phenomenal. It's by the guy who's done, um, Joseph Bashara, who's done all the Conjuring stuff, the James Wan movies, Insidious. And so it's very on brand, if you will. Um, but I have to say, it was one of the biggest surprises for me. The soundtrack was absolutely phenomenal. The acting, the performance, the story. Uh, I have found a new favorite cult movie, and I can't highly recommend it enough. Next for TV shows was WandaVision. Mm -hmm. mm. That's my number one show this year. Uh, it, and it was funny because it started right in January. 
I know it feels like a lifetime ago, but yeah, it was just 12 months ago that we got debuted with WandaVision. Um, and one of the things I loved about WandaVision was the theme songs for each of the different th- uh, eras of the episodes. They really just 10 out of 10 knocked it out of the park with nailing the the theme, the the feeling, the sound of each of those eras. So on point. It just... Yep. Uh, you're right. It was just... And then to top it all off, to have Agatha all along be your cherry on the like beautiful Marvel cake that you've made... Uh, I just, I think Agatha was my favorite character this year. Her theme song just says everything. It was brilliant. It was just nonstop. And I, yeah, I just, I listened to that soundtrack. I made a Spotify playlist and every episode that came out, I would be updating my Spotify to see, has it been released? Has it been released? Has it been released? Like, yeah, it was really fun. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is Marvel, uh, or sorry, Disney Plus did something really interesting this year, which is they brought back the weekly episodes. Yes. Right? Like, they dropped weekly episodes instead of having these big, all of a sudden, binge fests. And there's sometimes when I do want to binge stuff, and I have to say, I really liked the, like, the dropping of the weekly episodes for all their shows this year. WandaVision into uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and into Loki and What If. Like, all these weekly episodes I was down with. I'm like, this is great. I get new content. So, uh, anyway, WandaVision killed it for me. Um, But the other TV show that I can't believe is existing is the Chucky TV series. There's a Chucky TV series? Yeah. And it was filmed in Toronto this year. And it is... Amazing. Like, I can't believe that a character introduced in 1988, a campy horror movie that did okay, has continued for this long, and the continuity is still the same. So they brought back characters from the original movies, from the original, uh, like, uh, it's been wild. And the music on the show has been out of control good like this the first episode starts with a Billie eilish song that was perfectly timed to him finding an old chucky doll and it was like the uh music um the person who does the music is actually joseph deluca or sorry lo duca who did the evil dead series he's worked with sam raimi where he did like he did Xena and Hercules. Like, he is a pro, and he's doing this TV show, and I swear to God, he's really smart with his pop music and using music in the show. And they've actually done a really good job of updating their Spotify. So Chucky as a series, not only is it well-written, and number one, the other thing that I love about it is written about a gay character. Um, and so the lead character is a 16-year-old male who's gay. And there is a lot of mystery in the show. There's a lot of gore. There's a lot of camp. And there's a lot of queerness. Like, the show is just wildly ahead of its time right now. And it just is making me smile. And I can't stop th- talking about it. I am really happy to like end my review with Chucky, who I'm also a huge fan of. Like it's 
one of my it is my favorite film series i would say and as i joked earlier i think i'm getting in i want to do video essays because they're all the rage right now and i think my first one's going to be on the chucky series you know something to look forward to in 2022 but i will say chucky has also been renewed for season two it did that well it was like one of the most top streamed shows of of this year so good on you don mancini creator of chucky that's amazing i had no idea that that was even there is jennifer tilly back she is oh fantastic she is and do you want to hear something really crazy brad dorf the actor who's the voice of chucky two movies ago they introduced his daughter in real life fiona dorf in the film series and then through a series of possessions (laughs) and role reversals fiona dorf plays her father in as a younger character a younger age in the series as well as being possessed by the original Chucky, Charles Lee Ray, who was her father, who then she had to play as her daughter. <laughs> it is, I know it doesn't make sense, but it is, apparently I'm just, like, the way in which they've referenced this whole family lineage and kind of having Fiona Dorf now come in, play parts of characters that Brad Dorf has also played, and they're changing. It is, it's really weird, But it's damn funny. Like, there's some in-jokes that happen because you're, like, watching Brad Dorf's daughter play him. To the T. She looks like him. It's bonkers. It seems like you've got to have one of those serial killer boards, like bulletin boards, with all the red string attached to try and figure out that whole thing. But so much fun. Oh, yes. Yeah, so... So cool. That was my... That's my review of 2021 and what I really enjoyed, what I listened to. And I've talked about some of this stuff throughout, you know, the year and some of the episodes, but I'm glad I was able to kind of recap it and really share with everybody what it is I really got into. I am completely with you on the Disney Plus weekly release schedule. I I know just recently with Hawkeye, they did the first two episodes as Mm -hmm. the first release, but I've I've enjoyed this kind of appointment television almost. Like not so much a, I have to be sitting down at this date at this time, but I know that on Wednesdays, I'll have a new episode of Hawkeye to enjoy sometime soon. So it's really been nice to have kind of appointment television back in again that is outside of the reality TV structure. I watch Survivor still, and that's still every Wednesday, but even for just regular scripted TV shows, it's nice to just not have this big glut of things and to have to keep up with the spoilers that are coming out online. Like, I have to watch everything or a certain amount in a big sit-down, or else I'm going to be spoiled online for future things. So I'm I'm glad that there is this sort of spacing out, and I'm completely with you. It's a good structure to return back to. Yeah, I liked it. It was, it's nice. It's been a a fun little, you know, same thing. It's, you know, uh, the other one I'm really into is Dope Sick. And they release, they release episodes every Sunday. So I'm like, oh, tonight's a Dope Sick night. Oh, I'm getting a fix. Anyway, I really shouldn't joke about it because that's an awful epidemic that I'm learning a lot about. But anyway, I'll pass it over to you guys. Well, I guess that's probably my cue to like talk about 2021. Man. I, I feel like I, I probably need to echo Don's sentiment about like just what is time because that's kind of that feels like the theme of 2021. Um, you know, I mean, we we went into the year, I think, uh, looking back at that episode at like so much hope of like things getting better. And then it's mm-hmm. like it did in a way, but at the same time, it just sort of droned on endlessly. And it's like 
And I guess I feel, especially listening to you guys talk about like some of your uh, ventures outside and stuff, it's like, it really goes to show how time makes a lot more sense when it's sort of punctuated with like things that we're kind of excited about, which 2021 didn't leave a whole ton to be excited about. I think for me, what it it represents, like I don't have a whole ton of like episode or like or shows or movies to rattle off because, you know, I mean, when we started this, I, I don't consume a whole lot of uh, films anyway. But I think what I remember most about this year and just looking back about like things that I've like purchased and talked to you guys about or like even watched after the fact, I think this was a kind of like a good year of discovery for me. There are lots of songs from soundtracks that stuck out, you know, like stuck out to me before we started recording these uh, shows. But like actually going and having them was something that took a little more urgency, not just because of the podcast, but it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, these do have a lot of sentimental value to me. Like, I should probably have those. So I think for me that there was a lot of that. I mean, like when we were talking about like uh, looking back at the episodes where we were trying to rank like what was the best uh, soundtrack of the 90s or whatever. And it's like, oh, I actually don't physically have love jones in any form couldn't get in vinyl that sucks but you know i mean or like going back and um just like thinking about how happy i was although i think that happened late 2020 but uh like how happy i was when i got that cowboy bebop soundtrack like for the first time like released on vinyl but being able to play that often and then talking about it like you know when we had that episode that, you know, that meant a lot. And I, you know, I still every now and then, like, I'll see it in my collection now. And it's just like, yeah, I, I feel like it's that time of, you know, like that moment. I need like some of that in my life. And then like also being able to acquire some of the other CDs related to that franchise or whatever, like actually having the song. um Oh, gosh. And now I'm blanking. uh Cats on Mars or whatever. Like, I think that was pretty exciting to me. But I think I also found myself surprised by how many soundtracks once i had them were kind of duds if i'm being quite honest about it like being excited about getting that uh what was it the exorcist uh soundtrack like the second Man. one on uh vinyl and as pretty as the vinyl was itself i was like man yeah. like you know uh, and then also feeling the same way about like uh the heat score which you know i love that film like that's one of my like all-time favorite films ever because it has freaking de niro and pacino in the same film interacting with each other it was you know but then like actually listening to that score on vinyl is like oh okay well i guess i like this film in spite of the score you know what i mean like It, it was like moments like that, but I mean, I guess I'd almost feel kind of remiss if I didn't talk about just sort of the stuff we were listening to had weird intersections for me too. And I mean, like, you know, when we, you guys kind of put me on to uh, like watching things like WandaVision, but like Disney Plus in general, which, you know, opened some doors. It didn't mean like I binged a whole bunch of stuff, but I did listen to or watch some things that were like, yeah, I really needed that in my life at the point or close to the point that I watched them. Um... I saw Coco and 
it just put me in a weird mind state. I mean, not just in terms of just mortality and just, you know, like thinking about the sheer number of people that passed away, but like also just, you know, we don't talk about each other's families a whole lot on the show per se, but like mine is sprawling, right? Like it literally spans all over the country and it's really disjointed. And I think like moments like that made me feel like, you know, I really need to do better about trying to connect those dots because the thought, I think this is where like things kind of got really real with me with Coco in particular, because it's like the whole thought of just disappearing from people's memories just because nobody really interacts with you anymore or whatever, like that just really struck a nerve to me. So, I mean, as brilliant as that score was, and I'm glad that I have it again, kind of ruining the fact that it was on picture disc, but you know, it is what it is. That was kind of an important moment. Soul was really good too, and I'm glad that I, you know, saw that and got a chance to get the score and the actual uh, John Peptiste album that came along with it. That contrast between the two, because like the Trent Reznor part, it was cool and all, but it was kind of boring. I mean, like, you know, it, yes, I, I heard those moments in the actual film itself. I remember them. Like, you know, it was close enough together that, oh, yeah. But the John Baptiste was the fun part of those two albums to me. And I think just being able to appreciate that, it's like, okay, well, that can exist, right? Like, you can have a really good film, but you can have music associated with it. Some of it's going to be brilliant. Some of it is going to be sort of background fodder, but that's okay. Those were all feelings and experiences I had over the course of the year. And then, of course, the other reason I wanted to bring Coco up is because, like, I lost my dog this year, right? Like, I mean, we, we've since adopted again, and she's great. And, you know, you, you'll have to edit out her sounds in the office now. But, man, um, losing what was sort of my best friend in an, uh, you know, aside from my wife, was difficult. But it also was like... <clears throat> In a way, I just, I realized how his life, music, just sort of everything was sort of keeping me going in like this crazy pandemic world that we're going in. And I think one of the reasons we adopted again so quickly was just because of the void and just sort of not exactly depression. I wouldn't say it was there yet, but then again, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, so I don't know, maybe I was, but I guess the point is just those things can leave such voids in your life that it's like... I always find myself saying at weird times, like, you know, that whole nature abhors a vacuum thing. And it's like, I just felt the need to, one, bring Daisy into our lives, but then just sort of thinking about, like, the, the life lessons in Coco, just sort of the, he's always, like, my dog Kirby the past away is always going to be there, right? Like, he's always there in my heart. And as long as I am willing to sort of hold on to those memories and keep them kind of right, you know, right in my heart. He's gone, but he's not forgotten. Like, and I guess, you know, so anyways, a lot of the things we did this year, I think just made me think of my own mortality being a a 40 something year old person (laughs) now and uh, kind of smack dab in the middle of that and just like everything that comes with it.
aside from that, what I'm watching TV show wise, I don't think that there. We talked about WandaVision. That was kind of the beginning of the year. Uh, the the main things that I watch on a regular basis on TV are anime, and I think for me, one series, one you know weekly, as you all put it, that I was really really excited about this year was the whole Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba or something like that. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. But it's such a good series. Um, I, I don't know if this is something you guys have ever seen a single episode of, but it's just a really, it's a really cool take on um, just living in a world with demons and uh, some of the havoc that that can create. Um, I'm actually looking forward to seeing the latest episode of that after we get done with this record, because like it comes out on Sundays. Uh, you know, at a, around 11-ish in the morning, my time zone. So all that to say that, uh, and I haven't seen any associated soundtracks with it. It's something I will be keeping an eye out for if it exists. But just a, a really, really good series that I've been into and following pretty heavily since it uh, started to air. That's kind of that's kind of 2021 in a nutshell for me. I mean, music-wise, I mean, there are plenty of things aside from soundtracks that I've been listening to, but not much in the way of brand new music that came out this year. I, I think for me, 2021 was a lot more about rediscovering stuff that I should have heard a long time ago, but never did. So whether that was, you know, like we were talking earlier in the year and just sort of like downloading everything about you know herbie or not downloading but buying every herbie hancock album i could get my hand on this year or you know just really having an emotional moment with like uh hiatus uh coyotes album that came out which you know there was a lot of emotion the the lead artist was going through uh uh napalm um well i guess that's her stage name naomi i don't forgot what her actual last name is was going through with like you know her breast cancer diagnosis and then like losing her mother to the same disease and you know just like other stuff that was going on it was just a very deeply personal album and i it i was affected by that pretty heavily it stayed on rotation for a good portion of the year so anyways i've done a lot of uh uh uh, or whatever but like yeah that that was 2021 for me well put well said and i mean given the circumstances that we're all going through and i mean adding on the personal things that we all experience i think you spoke very lovely about kirby and about the introduction of daisy and and yeah just the the situation that we're all going through so thanks for that really appreciate it no problem I'll probably follow more suit about how Anthony kind of went through his year. I'll just be sort of looking at some of the things that I was looking forward to. Anthony did a lot more homework than I did. I should have listened to our past episode and said <laughs> what I was looking forward to in 2021, but didn't get around to that. But I think we've all kind of spoken really well on it. Time is a weird situation in this pandemic. Like it is odd to sort of think about what came out early, what came out mid and kind of what didn't like what came out in 2020 that I am conflating into 2021. It's a really odd thing to be experiencing. So Kind of in taking a look back, like listening to to you two, it's kind of, oh, right, that was this. Oh, right, there was that. I do remember, Jason, you were like waiting for your, was it Herbie Hancock box set to yeah. come out on vinyl for such a long, like that was like for the first four or five episodes, we were like, where is it, Jason? Has it arrived yet? And then you got it and you were like going through piece by piece. Like that was early 2021 and, and it feels like it was 
years ago at this point there's so much has happened but the the pandemic has just really sort of skewed time in such a an odd way that it's just it's weird to experience but i like this reflective thing that we're doing now and it's cool that jason you've kind of taken the year to be sort of rediscovering whereas i think i've taken the year to be new discovery typically my wife and i do watch a lot of old stuff we do tend to go back to things that are familiar to us we did a fraser rewatch of the entire series early on in the pandemic but since then i think it has been more just trying to find new things to experience and it was nice that there were all of these new shows coming out on disney plus i will echo what anthony said the marvel tv series that just broke my shit up like it was mm -hmm. great to get into those and they were I, I love the mcu i really like what they do in the movie form it was nice to see what they could do in sort of an episodic fashion and what wandavision was doing was unbelievable elizabeth olsen killed it and paul bettany was doing amazing things as vision and i liked just this new foray into a field that mcu hadn't touched in that way like they had done their netflix shows jessica jones was really good didn't care for uh, iron fist luke cage was really good as well i didn't really get into daredevil so it's nice that they kind of took a little bit of a, a revamp of it and put it into the disney side of things but what they were doing with the different styles and the different genres that wandavision was able to to bring in and the music like what Christoph Beck and the Lopez um, married couple were able to do was really, really interesting. And of course, yeah, Agatha all along is, is amazing. Who's been pulling every evil string? It's been Agatha all along. But I want to highlight what Loki's score was doing. The um, composer is Natalie Holt, and she had a bunch of stuff to work with ahead of time. I mean, Loki was well-established in the MCU through the Avengers movies, through the Thor movies, and she was she had a lot of sort of themes to play off. But then she did this amazing thing in kind of this big epic sequence in like the second to last episode where she was introducing like classical music elements and all of the Lokis were coming together. There was just this crazy sort of theme that was put together for that. And I, I loved every second of it. There were like epic cuts of it on YouTube that I was listening to constantly as I was working. It was just so much fun. And I really did enjoy what they were doing with that. So the, the Marvel TV series were, were great. What they're doing with Hawkeye now, taking kind of like the last best Avengers character out of all of them and doing something fun with it around the holiday season is really enjoyable. And again, they're connecting it to the movies. They've got things to kind of continue on with into future movies and episodes or and TV series. It's going to be really fun to see what they do there. The other big movie that I think I was really having fun with throughout the pandemic was Free Guy. And that is the <laughs> Ryan Reynolds video game movie yes. where he plays like an NPC that who it, he kind of has this AI built in where he's awake. It's kind of a really fun jukebox soundtrack. They have fun with Mariah Carey songs and a lot of sort of classic themes. It Because it was made by a Disney corporation or one of the entities, they were able to bring in Marvel. They were able to bring in other uh, franchises into it. Kind of the way that I think Ready Player One was trying oh, to do yeah, last yeah. year, but doing it much better and yes. kind of much more seamlessly and of course hilarious i mean brian reynolds is great so that was a fun soundtrack to get get a hold of and listen to then the final thing that i've been kind of looking at for 2021 it's called get back and it's the new beatles documentary where peter jackson has taken all of these um reels of footage 
as the Beatles kind of move into their Apple Corps studios and start producing uh, what will be kind of their final albums. And they do their rooftop concert on the top of the Apple Corps studio building. And it, it's amazing to see how greatness is created. I mean, the Beatles, love them or hate them, whatever, you, whatever your feeling is. To me, they are unbelievable artists and they are influential to rock music they are kind of that middle point they were influenced heavily by rock music of the u.s in the early teens to to 40s 50s they come along blow up the world with beatlemania and the the uk invasion and they've been hugely influential moving forward but what i like about this is that classically when people think about genius and musical genius specifically they think of like people who can write songs in 10 minutes and just produce it where this documentary is kind of shedding a light on how the Beatles created which is more collaborative more contentious there's brilliance in all of them but it has to kind of find its way through and how the introduction of new elements and new individuals and um I think it's Billy Porter uh let me just make sure I get that that name right no not Billy Porter that's an actor yeah, I was just gonna say, I'm like, yeah. that's not the guy from Pose. <laughs> yeah, that is that is my mistake. Billy Preston. Billy Preston comes in, and Billy Preston knew the Beatles um, from playing with Little Richard, and they played in um, Germany a lot uh, when Be when the Beatles were first coming up. And Billy Preston comes in as this completely new element into the recording, the get back recording sessions, and he brings just such a life and a reinvigoration and a, a, a love of the music back to all of the members because they were getting pretty ragged and there was contention. There was almost a Beatles breakup at one point. And I just, I like the documentary for providing us this really good insight into brilliance and how it has to be cultivated and fostered by one another. And it was, it was really enjoyable. Plus there's really funny moments in it. It's interesting to see these guys who have been together for so long and who are at the top of their game, just be funny with one another and, and take some of their older songs and have some fun twists on it just to have humor in a really difficult setting they have a very strict timeline and a money component to getting these albums done so that is what has kind of wrapped up my 2021 those elements but definitely just making it through the year i think has been a great achievement it's it's been hard it didn't have some of the same um issues jason that you were experiencing of course the, the loss of kirby and having to, to introduce like a new member of the family and so the joy there uh, there was just this strife and a struggle i didn't do what anthony did as much uh, i tried to get out when the pandemic seemed to be kind of getting under wraps here in Ontario. I, I saw a couple movies. I went and saw uh, The Eternals in theater, which was hot garbage. Um, ah. There's I, I saw a couple others. I did a, I finally went to some breweries uh, outside of my town, um, but I think I've just kind of returned back to hermit mode and just am going to be secluded for some time just because of the situation. And hopefully 2022 does give us some opportunities to get out of it and we will be able to look at this same episode next year and have a, a few more different things to talk about. But that's been my 2021. Well, it's going on out. Well, don't interrupt hey, stars when they're recording. Hey, hey. We're bloody stars, oh, you know. Come in, chic. And now your host for this evening, the bottles. We can't conclude this segment without hearing before it goes on YouTube in his his second video <laughs> after the Tucky TV series. I want to hear Anthony your take on Luca because I think. Jason, you and I were a bit shocked at the take when Anthony said a couple episodes ago that you didn't like it too much. So I'd love to hear what the rationale was. So let me tell you about a little film called Luca. 
Luca is a story of two boys in Italy in 1959 who are sea creatures uh, below the surface, but present as human or human form above the surface. So the whole story goes that they're, you know, developing a friendship uh, and then they end up going into town as humans, meeting a human girl and having a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a love triangle, but there is definitely a little bit of a, a drama between the three of them and them disrupting or, you know, this girl disrupting the new friendship. But what I found problematic with Luca was that it is a good example of something called queer coding, or sorry, queer baiting. So queer baiting is when plot lines and characters hint at same-sex attraction, but it is never actually acknowledged. It's just hinted at so that they can kind of get a little bit of credibility or they can say that this could be a same-sex attraction, but it's never actually labeled. Queer coding is when queer creatives, you know, directors, writers, they insert queer references that many heterosexual audiences might not necessarily get as a way to kind of link a narrative very suspectly. Because, again, queer narratives are very demonized by media and mainstream audiences. So when I started watching Luca, the first half hour of the movie involves Luca and Alberto becoming friends. And the best part about it is it's a universal story between two men. Whether you're gay or you're straight... The notion that you can make a male, a same-sex male friend is uh, somewhat of a troubling concept that a lot of, I would say, movies don't necessarily know how to address. Because male friendship is all based around, I think actually, you know, to point out Free Guy, I thought that was a really great example of male friendship. And so that was a positive example of how you can do same-sex male friendship without it being this gay love story, you know, automatically worrying that, okay, these two straight guys could be in love or they're gay. The problem with Luca is they start off with this very unbiased friendship and then all of a sudden it starts to interject these queer themes like them not presenting as themselves out of water. So, which is a very queer experience, you know, being gay in the closet and doing one thing underwater and then having to present as normal. So that's a theme that already I'm like, okay, you're going to like, you're going to really have to either explore that or, or if you don't, it's going to be really awkward. And the problem with Luca is they didn't do that. They actually introduced all these queer baiting and queer coding ideas. And then they never actually do anything about it and in fact go the opposite way so halfway through the movie this julia character this female character is introduced as the adversary for luca and alberta uh, alberto so all of a sudden now the only purpose of this female character is to disrupt this friendship she has no agency she has no story she wants to compete in a bike ride uh, and that's her one defining characteristic is that she wants to compete in a bike ride and that she wants to disrupt this friendship because heteronormative storylines tell us that two men can't be friends. So the beginning of this movie sets up this whole concept that they're going to be friends and that they should be friends, introduces an adversary, and then, spoiler alert, ends the movie with these two people splitting up and one person, i.e. the character, queer-coded character, Alberto, 
actually giving away his most prized possession of a bike to the heterosexual couple that ends up developing in that movie. So what I saw with Luca was a very beautiful story about male friendship turned into you can't be gay and you have to be straight. And the ending of that movie just read to me as a complete insult because Disney has been yammering for the past year about how they've been inserting all these queer lesbian characters. I swear to God, I have counted not less than seven times that Disney has said that they are including their first LGBTQ representation in their movies. Seven articles where you can literally retrace when they tried to do this pattern of inserting these queer characters that don't actually have any agency in the movie. They're very representative. So Luca for me was just an epitome of Disney being like, you cannot be gay. And it is very important that you know that males can be friends, but only when one of them goes to be with a female. <laughs> so I read Luca as a very completely different experience than any other, I would say, majority heterosexual audiences. Because to me, it really is the prime example of queer baiting. Where they want to include these like other narratives, you know, and say like, oh, it could be about, you know, Alberto being gay. It could be about them being, you know, gay friends. No, it's not. It's about a straight person learning that they need to be straight with people with who are could be gay. And so that to me is why I did not like Luca. And there is a great article, um, which I don't know how we can share, um, but it is from um, adam an academic journalist a journalism uh, website called The Conversation. Uh, and there's an article on there that was uh, written this year, um, and it's called Luca, Disney, and Queer Baiting in, in, uh, in Animation. Uh, and it was written by Cody Mayer, and that's really where I kind of uh, was able to pull some of this discussion topic that we had today from that article. So I would ri highly recommend reading the article because it really does touch upon other examples of queer coding in Disney that I just think was not poorly, it was not properly handled in Luca. We'll put a link to the, in the show notes. So Sweet. if anybody's listening, when you're kind of doing it, wherever you get your podcast, you can find the, a bunch of links that we throw in there. We'll, we'll link to that article. So thank you very much for that, Anthony. Mm -hmm. That is actually really interesting. It's good to get your perspective because I, I went into Luca hearing that, all right, this is like Disney's proper first foray into mm. a queer storyline. And that was kind of what I was expecting. And, it, and it, it just didn't seem like it connected in what I was seeing and what I was expecting. So and, and considering especially kind of how well movies are now kind of focusing on the queer perspective, like with mm -hmm. the, the holiday movies we were talking about. Like yes, we were totally. all like, yeah, we were talking about the, oh, I can't even remember the name of it now. Happiest season. Yes. Yeah. We were talking about that movie yeah, and, and the other. All the way. Yeah. Yep, like it's, it's starting to become quote unquote normal. Like it's good yeah, to yeah. see these movies just happen and not have to have this context. So, and I know Disney is, is what it is. And they're really heavy handed with this idea of like, like you said, seven different iterations of we are introducing yeah. more queer content, more queer characters into our movies. So they're over trying for sure. And and the thing for me about Luca specifically is the female character of Julia. If you remove her from the movie, mm -hmm. you can still have that entire plot play out. So that to me was what read as, oh, she wasn't in the original version of the script. Uh, because mm. to me, she read as a studio note. 
to me, if you actually, and again, if you've seen the movie, if you remove her character, all of the scenes can play out the exact same way. They would just meet somebody in town that would house them instead of it being her father. Like, there's very small changes that would have been able to be done with removing her and having the story play out beat for beat that they are friends, but then now they're in this situation where the friendship is tested. And instead of it being a female, it's the competition. So the competition between the two of them becomes the driving force as to whether or not they're going to survive this. And then in the end, what would have happened is that Luca would have gone to school and you still would have had the friendship being apart. Right. But it, it, like to me, I was like, why can't you have that movie? So like to me, the Julia character reads as the studio to, you know, to be like, nope, too faggy. You got to put it in a girl character. And so that all of a sudden shifted the movie into this weird space for me that I was like... Well, now you're just shoving it down my throat, which is ironic because the one thing that conservatives often complain about queer communities is they don't want, what, their sexuality shoved down their throat. Right. Uh, Let but... me tell you, as, as a queer person, straight people shove their sexuality down everybody's throat a lot. Especially when, a you know, say a two-year-old is walking for the first time and it's a male, all of a sudden they're like, oh, he's going to be a lady killer. He's going to yeah. walk after the girls. You're like... What? Why does he get to be straight, but I can't see a Disney movie about two same-sex male friends? Anyway. Well. I'm stepping back off my soapbox. <laughs> Your take is really interesting. I still haven't seen that movie yet. In part, I was kind of like, hearing your animus for it when we were talking about it before <laughs> kind of like took any of the potential excitement i had off yeah, of yeah, it yeah. off and i really did want to hear your take before i even like contemplated whether i wanted to commit an hour or two to it but man one thing i will say i think maybe this is something i should have put in my 2021 wrap-up there's been something kind of special i think about hearing your perspective on things and it's not because i've never had friends that were gay or lesbian or run down the the set of things that are all part of the L extended lg uh tb etc <laughs> the alphabet suit i mean but i don't want to i don't want to be dismissive of it but i think one thing no. that i appreciate about hearing you really the entire time it at least it hasn't been lost on me is the politics of being in the community is about as intrinsic and sort of informs everything you do to me it feels like about as much as being black informs mm. my life like you know what i mean it's it's not it's just I think hearing your perspective is really important and really I'm, I'm glad that your voice is a part of this podcast because mm. I I don't think had I watched that I it probably would have been completely oblivious to all of that but I do I mean you know I I don't have the highest regard for Disney anyway maybe it starts from things like you know South Park's take on uh you know like the whole Mickey thing like in how that relates to conservative American politics. But I will say, you know, one thing, uh, hot take, hopefully we don't get <laughs> flame for this uh, in, in the comments, but man, I think conservatism, conservatism, conservative thought is just about as much shoving stuff down people's throat as anybody else. It's really just a matter of which values get shoved, right? Um, yep. Very well said. Anyways. Well, I also want to thank you for acknowledging that, because uh, I like to think that our otherness doesn't define us, but it does drive us. Yep, yeah. And so, like, as, you know, like, as a queer person, I experience things differently in the world, uh, but as, like, a white male, I experience different things in the world. And so, like, that, 
is you know certain uh, allowances happen, but then there are certain ju- injustices that do ex- happen. So I appreciate that you appreciate my appreciation of our appreciated views <laughs> okay. in this. <laughs> that was a lot of appreciation, man. <laughs> just, just recovering all our bases right now. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will mirror Anthony's appreciation of the appreciation that we all appreciate in one another. It's it's what makes the podcast work. I've appreciated both of your perspectives. I, yeah. I, I I've enjoyed what we've talked about so far. And yeah, having both of you as a part of this, Jason, you you decided to join us despite your like you said you didn't have experience with soundtracks and scores, but your perspective has been unbelievable from the music side and just from being American, being black. It's been fantastic to get your perspective. And Anthony, same with you. I mean, you just randomly reaching out, finding you on Reddit, talking about just bringing you in, wanting to have a queer voice into this podcast i think it's been amazing for all of us to just get completely different perspectives because i'm not going to pick up what what luke is picking up the same way that anthony is black exploitation films i don't think i'm going to pick it up the same way that that you would jason and and for myself i think i've just been trying to navigate the waters and learn as much as i can and, and experience it and i think we've had a good time with it it jason kind of similar to the way that you said i've had gay and lesbian friends but we have a really good medium here and we have good conversations because we're all respectful and we trust one another to just be comfortable with making mistakes and talking Mm. about things and and being able to talk about it so i think that's what we've been able to do with this which is lovely and i I appreciate i i love when anthony goes on a rant about Ah. this stuff but it's rooted in seriousness and representation and yourself there anthony i mean you want things to be comfortable you want to see yourself up there just as everyone wants to see themselves represented wherever they are viewing right and that's that's not the case for a lot of people yes yeah i think that's a good place where we can wrap up 2021 and maybe look towards a better year upcoming maybe some better stories on the go and take a look at 2022 We were talking about this before we were recording, and holy cow, is there just a lot of second verse, same as the first, coming up in 2022. I think, Jason, you were the one who mentioned it. Like, there's just no original thought going into much of what's coming out. There's a lot of sort of rehashes, a lot of sequels. The MCU is, of course, running rampant as usual, but there are definitely some things in there that that will jump out eventually, like some, some hidden gems that we're not going to see coming. But, of course, a lot of my list are the things that I can see because they're already being talked about i'm seeing 2022 for myself as being the year of the giacchino i see michael giacchino scores everywhere in what he's doing so he's got the score for the batman coming out in march he's got thor love and thunder coming out in july and i love the way that the new thor movies are going Mm -hmm. he's he's doing the spider-man no way home score which i haven't seen yet because of the pandemic i want to see it soon but there's so much of him being represented in this upcoming year that I'm really excited about. And I'm sure he's going to knock it out of the park, as I know he has been for years, ever since I found him on, on the TV show Lost. And hearing his score, his music there, I'm he's doing fantastic things. And I know there was an article out recently about how people are getting sick of him just getting the big blockbuster scores. But hell, he's doing it extremely well. Because if you look at the things that he's doing, he's mixing it up. And he's always trying to reinvent, which is really nice. So I'm on board for what he's bringing out. But there are definitely some things that I'm unsure of 
how it's going to go. Two things, and I think they'll speak to to Anthony. Um, one of them is Scream. I know that there's a new Scream movie coming out that, or has already been out. I actually don't know. No, it's coming uh, out. It's coming in, out. Okay, good. It's coming out in 34 days. Oh, Anthony's got the Scream watch going on. Oh, God, I'm so excited. So <laughs> again, it's one of those things I'm hoping that it's going to do well. I'm hoping it's going to reinvigorate because I know horror is huge. It has been huge for some time, but it's huge right now. And this is kind of the time and the place for Sidney Prescott to come back into our lives again. And the other thing I'm really interested in seeing how it works out is Hocus Pocus 2. Mm-hmm. This has been rumored for decades and decades, and I'm really looking forward to see the three witches get back together and see how they're going to take that and i know it's looking at a a late 2022 release so maybe another halloween thing and we'll pick it up during our halloween episode but i don't know how that's going to be but I'm, i'm looking forward to all of the stuff that i've just talked about specifically i'm looking forward to the the scream re or i guess it'll be sequel and and hocus pocus 2 so it's technically scream 5 Okay. Which means in canon, it should be five cream because in each of the (laughs) ones before they've used like the number as like a letter. So like it was only, I've been waiting for five cream for over 10 years since like scream four or farm came out. (laughs) Five cream was like obviously the next on the docket, but then they went back to the original screams and now it's just scream. And I'm like, I get it, but it's not five cream. It's five cream. Fair. Okay. That's good to know. Well, I will I will anticipate five cream. Well, I was trying to to listen and look at that uh IMDb list uh as we were talking or as you were talking yeah, the extent to which there is very little original coming out again is really disappointing. I mean, I you know, I haven't been able to go to a theater. Like, I, I didn't do that at all this year. And I don't know. We'll see what 2022 is like. I mean, I'm at least hopeful that maybe some of these, if I want to see them bad enough, maybe I can do at home. So there's some things that I guess I, I saw on this list that... I don't know if I'm excited about is really the right word, but I'm sort of curious to see how the, it's treated. The Mario Brothers thing that, you know, yes. Nintendo <laughs> yes. freaking tease that, you know, in one of their directs around, I want to say the late summer, early fall. And I think everybody was sort of scratching their head with like, you know, the Chris Pratt as Mario thing. But yeah, that seems to be on the schedule of things to happen next year. And I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if I will be excited about it, but I am kind of curious about it. And if the opportunity presents itself, I guess I want to see it. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> I, I'm. but maybe this is more so in from the standpoint of like, you know, the train wreck thing and not being able to look away as opposed to... It's a to, morbid curiosity. Yeah, for sure. So that's the first thing. On that list, there are couple, well, there are three sequels that kind of caught my attention because I'm like, really, 2022, you're gonna do this now? Two more so than the third. Roger Rabbit two, what is on that list of things no. happening next year? And I was like, <sighs> yeah, that whoever dropped that side just now, I was like, I can't really for real, that. like, no. I, but again, that morbid (laughs) curiosity thing, man, kicking in, because I'm like, what? 
Anyways, that's... What, no, what, what, no, that, what more is there to do? Like, you don't have Bob Hoskins anymore as Eddie Valiant. You have, you have, like, 30 years of separation from that movie. Like, you can't bring in a, a Jessica Rabbit-type character in this day and age to just be the busty bimbo married to a, a literal animated rabbit. <laughs> like, don't do this to us now. Not, not in the pandemic. <laughs> Oh, well, that's disappointing. So that's a thing, and I am curious. Uh, now, another one that's on this list that really struck me as bizarre is Legally Blonde 3. Oh, I've heard about this recently. Yeah. So, yeah. and I like Legally Blonde. I mean, I'm assuming Reese Witherspoon is coming back for this for some in some way, shape, or form. But I'm not sure what to think of that, because I'm like, well, where could this go so far removed from the others? But I'm curious and then i saw that knives out is having a sequel and i'm like okay well that isn't so far removed but i did actually like that film so i'm curious to see where they go with the sequel and the only thing that i think is original or at least i don't recognize it as something that existed before is the 355 and you know as we've sort of discussed before i'm a sucker for a good you know spy thriller type thing it sounds like that fits the bill so yes. to see something that doesn't seem to have a franchise already, that's probably the one that I might be kind of excited to see, um, just based on the description I saw online a few moments ago. So that that would be my sum up of uh, stuff that caught my attention off of the 2022 list. Jason, just quickly before we move on, I just read recently that the Cowboy Bebop uh, live action series has officially been canceled. Did you catch any of that? No. So that was something I had meant to like, you know, spend some time, spend some time on Netflix, like checking out because I was curious. So it was canceled because it was flopping hard or yes. yeah it's yeah. been really bad apparently it's really soulless it really just feels like a shot for shot remake that doesn't add anything yeah and okay so, yeah i was actually gonna ask you about that too because i was like i had heard nothing good about it before it landed and then it got disrupted or just dis- canceled I will- so i was like oh okay i didn't realize that it was being treated as a series first of all i actually thought it was just like a film they dropped and i was gonna like go and watch oh, it at one some and point done. no 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 it was like episodic they were trying to do the whole like 10 i think there were 10 episodes yeah. in total uh, well wouldn't be the first live action uh adaptation that you know flopped hard so yeah i mean i guess it's good company but okay well that's sad and good at the same time you <laughs> yeah because i mean i definitely a franchise like that doesn't need to be desecrated in any kind of way. And so if that's what this uh, live action thing was doing, then yeah, let it die. Let it Burn it with fire. <laughs> fire and lots of it. Anthony. So my uh, interests in 2022 are the same one right off the top is Five Cream. I am a huge, huge, huge Scream fan, and I've been tracking this new uh, version for since it was announced. The people who are doing it did uh, Ready or Not, um, which was another really well-done horror movie. So I know the people who are making this new one in replacement of Wes Craven. 
Mm-hmm. And they have a really good angle on it. Uh, same thing with the um, the music. Marco Beltremi is the traditional scream composer, but he's been replaced. So uh, I know it's in capable hands, so I have the highest anticipation for Five Cream. The other big one that's on my list uh, is not the Batman. I think I am like officially exhausted with Batman as a character. And just, it's like, oh my God, I get it. Like there's another Batman movie coming out now and it just, I can't do it. But Batgirl is coming out (laughs) and they're doing Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. So they're doing her own movie. So that's what I'm actually interested in is like, uh, just, I can't do these. Like I can't do it again. I can't do another Batman movie. Like it's just, I know it's going to be another Robert Pattinson masterpiece, but simmer down. Okay. Just simmer down. (laughs) And then the other big one that's on my list right now is um, Jordan Peele has a new horror movie coming out this summer and it's called Nope. And nobody knows what it's about. The details are wrapped. They've released a poster that looks like a, a scary cloud that's kind of like over a city or a town or it could be a carnival. You're not really sure. But just the name alone, nope, alludes to the internet reaction when you see something very visceral, very upsetting. It's usually to do with spiders. Is like, nope, 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 nope. So the internet fandom or I guess internet theory is just rampant. And this whole concept that this whole movie could be about fears, things you fear, or like, you know, you would respond to. Nope. nope. That is a movie that is high on my list right now. I am so excited if we get a fear-based movie from Jordan Peele, just about like, you know, visceral reactions that people have to things, phobias, I think would be such a fun movie. So um, now that I know there could be... The Roger Rabbit, I'm not, Mama don't like, Mama don't like, (laughs) no. Um, But the other, like, obviously the MCU stuff, I'm looking for Black Panther, I'm looking for Love, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, Uh, I'm also looking uh, at Borderlands, (laughs) based on the video game. Oh, right. So, uh, Eli Roth, who is a touch-and-go filmmaker. Like, sometimes he's really impressed me, and other times I've just been like, eh. But actually, I think he could do well with Borderlands. I think it could be a lot of, like, really high volume and, like, really outrageous color schemes. And I don't play Borderlands, but I know enough about Borderlands that I'm like, okay, it's set in a weird post-apocalyptic future where you've got, like, robot bodies and things like that. So I'm like, oh, I'm down with that. I think that's It'll be fun. Be. Yeah, so I think that's the other one I'm interested to check out as a movie, as a fun movie. Um, but yeah. You know, forgive me if I'm, like, out of touch on something, but, you know, for almost the same reason, I kind of feel like... And if this already exists, then, you know, flame me later. But Fallout, it seems like it would also warrant that kind of, like... so here's the... Well, and this is why, you know, to come back to your point about the Mario movie, you're like, everybody knows what happened the last time a Mario movie was made. Yeah, brilliance. Oh, yeah, Mm. just, like, utter (laughs) showgirls-level perfection of story making so i know that um number one video game properties are very protective of their properties now number two i feel like i've heard the argument that video games have now become more cinematic than most movies and that to actually make a movie out of a game is dissecting half of the game because the game itself is a movie that's like 48 hours and now to boil that down to a two-hour movie, a lot of people are like, it doesn't make sense. And it's one of the reasons why 
I don't think a lot of video game movies do well. Because I know this year we're also getting Uncharted, which I know is a video game series. I'm pretty sure the Halo movie was supposed to come out this year. Or is coming I believe out you're right. Oh, that so seems like, like it wouldn't make for a good movie. I know. I'm like, yeah. same thing. I was like, why would you think that you could do a two-hour Halo movie? I'm like, there is such a sprawling universe. And it's like, let's take a look at this period. And you're like, mm. So, I don't know. I think video game adaptations are very weird. However... The Mario movie, I think, is actually going to be good. Oh, okay. Anthony's putting his chips on that one. I'm putting my chips on because I actually do think Chris Pratt as a voice actor works. I think he's good. I know some people are like, oh, he's too goofy. And I'm like, "Mm -mm." actually, if you listen to his stuff, the Lego movie, he did an amazing job with. Like, he created Emmett, the character, and I feel like he was through and through, he created that character through his voice. So when I heard that he was going to be Mario, I was like, ugh, yeah, this could be. But then I'm like, no, I think he's actually going to pull something out that we're going to be like, god damn it. Huh. But what about the rest of them, though? Like, we've got... Anatella um, Char- Joy uh, well, as Princess She Peach. is Peach. I think oh, that's the best one. Shut up. And no, um, who's Bowser? Uh, uh, Bowser's guy. Jack Black. Yeah, come yeah. on. Like, I want to hear Jack Black as Bowser. That one. I'm I'm not too sure about Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Oh. I'm not too sure about Charlie Day as Luigi. I can I'm, get behind Charlie Day. Uh, he's, I, he's erratic. I'm on board with Keegan-Michael Key yes. as uh, Toad. I think that's going to be amazing. Agreed. But I just, I, I have a really difficult time getting around the Chris Pratt. Like, because he did so great in Lego Movie, I don't see the same zaniness in Mario. Mm. But that's So just... here's the thing, because uh, they also have the video game voice of Mario is going to be in the movie as well. Okay, so that's interesting. Charles, I can never get his last name right, but Charles something or other, he has an Instagram account I follow. He's fucking, he's hilarious. He, he literally will walk up to anybody and just do the Mario voice, and then he records their reaction. But <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> in the movie. So, again, this is where I'm like, I think we might be getting a little bit of a Wreck-It Ralph type situation where Mario as a character is in the video game and we're going to hear Mario and then all of a sudden, you know, something's going to happen to remove him from that and then that's when he's going to be Chris Pratt's voice. Shit, you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Oh, that's that's exactly what it is. I'm not saying that I should be a script doctor, but I should probably be a script doctor. You should. Yeah, it's Hmm. just everything I need to do with my life. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> sorry to spoil the spark the mario movie this early on in the game that will be fun to see if it actually comes true i want to call that prediction and then see at the end of the year if i actually got the mario prediction right. well it's certainly not unprecedented so yeah i could see that yeah yeah for sure yeah. well there we have it a retrospective of the year now in the books, some things that we're looking forward to in 2022, along with Anthony's bold prediction that the Mario movie is actually going to be good and what the whole structure is. So we are going to hold (laughs) you to that this time next year. But I think that pretty much concludes the episode. This has been a fantastic discussion. Hopefully everyone listening, you're doing your own reflection back onto 2021. Hopefully it was positive, that things were good. And hopefully you listen to the podcast and you continue to listen to us into the new year. And the way that you do that 
that is by finding us on your podcast app of choice. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music. Find us wherever. Listen, rate, and review our episodes on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you can. We'd really appreciate any of the support that you can provide to us. You can also follow us on our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram. We are at even the score pod. We're pretty active there, so we'd love to hear your takes on our episodes, specifically um, our most recent Bond theme episode. We put out our tier maker. We had a lot of good reactions to that. A lot of negative reactions about where we ranked things, but that's exactly what we're looking for here. Uh, you can find that video actually on our YouTube account. Just go ahead and look for Even the Score Podcast on YouTube and uh, watch along as we have all of the hot takes when it comes to the Bond themes. So before we go, of course, I want to thank Anthony and Jason for joining in on the conversation. Thank you again to you both. My sincerest gratitude and appreciation to you both. Yeah, like <laughs> likewise. And, you know, happy anniversary to us. Happy anniversary to us. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Be safe. This has been Even the Score Podcast. Take care. do a musical interlude there because we don't have I don't believe <laughs> play big bulbs <laughs> oh yeah that's gonna oh for sure oh, that's, for sure that's, that's the cut i'm gonna yes. put in there. yes absolutely baby you got them big balls baby you got them big balls baby you got them big balls flashing in your window tonight